0: You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson.
1: Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number ninety one. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary alongside Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm fine. I stayed home with the kids today. The daycare was closed, so that was uh, that was good. I'm a little a little tuckered, but uh, not like you're going to be. Oh my god! But we just talked off air about your itinerary for the next like. 12 hours, and you're getting, what, 20 minutes of sleep?
1: Roughly. So we are recording the podcast (laughs) Wednesday night. You're probably consuming it after I've already been up for the day tomorrow for a while, but let me explain why. So it's actually for a pretty cool reason. I am covering the PGA Tour tomorrow, but that means I have to be in Bethpage by 7. And I got to take a 628 train from Winedanch. So I'm going to be up pretty early because I got to hit the station first anyway and then head on out there.
2: From Dance. that's a place, right?
1: It is, yes. It's in Suffolk County. Okay. I know where that is. And I'm taking it one stop to Farmingdale. Okay. And then getting on the shuttle from Farmingdale to the PGA Tour, which is at Beth Page State Park.
2: Okay. All right. Where's the line between Nassau County and Suffolk County? What's the the kind of like natural barrier between the two? Barrier border, I guess.
1: Actually, like Farmingdale is a town that's like half and half kind of. Okay. It's right on the quote unquote border between the two counties. Yeah, pretty much. So like where I work is in Suffolk, but only by a few miles.
2: Okay. Fair enough. I understand more now. There you go. Suffolk is like...
1: Way, way bigger than Nassau. So we, yes. Mitch is learning, too, on this podcast. Yay! I, it's a Islander show and an educational tool for Mitch. Geography and hockey. There you go. So, Mitch, how about we get to the hockey now Yeah, and talk some Brock Nelson. For first, what edition is this? Oh, obviously the Butch Goring edition because he's the only player to ever wear that number. <laughs> That's right.
2: Of course. All right. Just making sure.
1: Yes. Yes. We almost skipped that. That would have been bad. Uh <laughs> So let's talk some Brock Nelson, because allegedly the quote from Elliot Friedman is that the Islanders are grinding to get a deal done with Brock it's Nelson. a poor choice so of words. What does that mean to you?
2: Uh, I don't understand necessarily. Uh, maybe they're trying to figure out how much they need to like what it what his number is so they could kind of figure out what the numbers are for everyone else. Uh, or if they need to just let him walk. Like, if he's going to come up and say, I want seven and nothing less than seven, then it's kind of like, peace out. If you're not even entering into negotiation with us, peace out. We gave you a chance. We still gave you a decent upgrade, like 4.25 after what was a terrible year for you. Um, no thanks. Like, we don't need to pay you seven. Let let's, if, if you're willing to talk and that's your top dollar, all right, let's sit and talk um but it can't be seven is my max like or or my minimum it cannot be and if that's the case and maybe that's just it i think that's what they're grinding at god again like i I just can't like get the picture out of my mind of lou like grinding like come on you want to sign you
1: know you want to sign oh my god (laughs) why'd you put that in my head (laughs) (laughs) i didn't want to be the only one fantastic (laughs) I I see the point that you're bringing up, and yeah, I agree with you. If it was seven million, I think that's way too high. I think the Islanders are probably going to be looking around five, and they'll settle somewhere probably between five and maybe six.
2: Yeah, I, I'm okay with six. I don't want to go above six. Uh, I could understand a world where that would have to happen or might have to happen, uh, and and I, I'd be willing to suck it up, I guess. But personally, I would not go above six.
1: No, especially because it's only after one good year. And I think that's the – not necessarily issue, but that's the thing the Islanders are going to have to look at is they're going to have to evaluate, okay, is this the new Brock Nelson? Are we going to be getting this guy for the foreseeable future? Or are we going to be looking at a regression here? Because if you're looking at a regression and Brock goes back to the 42 points and I'm going to be absent from December to February Brock Nelson – then if you're paying him six million dollars, you're screwed because you're giving Andrew Ladd five and a half for essentially the same thing. Johnny Boychuk's making a ton of money. Nick Letty's making a ton of money. So I don't know. You're causing cap problems for yourself now.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the biggest question that came out of, of that reference by uh, Elliot Freeman was why Brock? Not, not to say that they shouldn't sign him or, or why they're, they're not or why are they interested in him? The question is, why is he the first priority? Why are they trying so hard to get him done now? You have Lee, you have, you have Leonard, which are two more pressing variables, I would say.
1: I see that point, and for a rare time, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Nice, I like it. it's usually Mitch is doing yeah. it. So, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. we talked about what the second-line center options look like on the free agent market. Okay, yes, we did. It's Brock Nelson, Matt <laughs> DeShane, And not a whole lot else. Kevin Hayes, I guess. (laughs) Kevin Hayes, sure. So the Islanders are probably looking and saying, if for some reason doomsday scenario happens, Anders Lee walks, there's a plethora of options out there that the Islanders can use to address a top six winger. But for a second line center, there are not as many options for the Islanders to replace Brock Nelson with. That's the only logic that I could see them using that
2: makes a lot of sense and maybe they're trying to get him under cap before all this talk about the market you know and and although i'm sure him and his agent have already spoken about this um so uh, maybe they're just trying to get that under wraps and they think that the sooner they get that done the lower the number it is and then they can address the guys just like you said like lee like leonard uh who well maybe not leonard but lee who have options out there right like there there are replaceable parts out there i think that's a really good devil's advocate point you know proud of me i'm proud of you buddy that's a good one good for you
1: thank you (laughs) i thought of that one on all my own all on
2: your own it's not to say that you don't usually but you don't usually take that side of the I'm going to argue for arguing sake.
1: No, that's usually you who likes to poke the bear. Yeah,
2: and I don't have usually my arguments aren't that well thought out cuz they're very just kind of like instinctual. Um so yeah. But no, that's a great point. Like right he we, we talked about how low the market is uh and it's just not filled with a lot of talent. So, do they do they try to Get him before he starts getting swayed by the market and go like, you know what? I'm going to test myself out there because I can get seven, maybe more. Uh, and if they can give him under that, then yeah, great. Lock him up.
1: Yeah, like I would make the case that Robin Leonard is the most important to bring back. Yes. I think you could easily make that case because he had the best year out of any of their free agents. But they could probably get by with Thomas Grice if he's putting up a 926. <laughs> and that's probably Lou Amarillo's thought process here.
2: Yeah, you're right. Like uh, Leonard would be the number one option because it's a goalie. There aren't going to be many goalies out there aside from Bobrovsky, but do you want to pay a 30-year-old goalie 8 to 10 million dollars a year for how long? No. If you can pay a guy between 5 and 8 who's what 28 years old, 27 years old is Robin Letter? Yeah,
1: he's 27,
2: I think. Uh you've just gained yourself 3 years at like 2 to 3 million dollars or sorry, 2 to 4 million dollars less per that's huge. That's huge savings and just just more durability from a goalie. So like obviously he's number one, and obviously the numbers nine thirty save percentage. You can't you can't do anything better. But with Brock, you also have a guy who's. I don't think he's going to want to go look elsewhere. Like this is a franchise that said you we didn't do you well beforehand, but with this new group. We had complete faith in you. We took you under our wing and we said, we want you to be our guy and we trust you to be that guy. And he repaid that faith. I have a hard time seeing seeing him just going, sorry, guys, I'm going to go elsewhere because I want to make an extra like million dollars a year.
1: Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I see him taking a similar deal to what Josh Bailey did because you could have made the case that Bailey deserved more than five million dollars. Per year after the year he was happening last year, and if he hit the open market, I'm sure he would have gotten more than what was it six years and five million dollars per yeah. So if you give Brock Nelson, I don't know, five years, five and a half million dollars per, something like that. Yep, I don't think he's turning that down. I no, like they might squabble over the over the number
2: between five and a half, somewhere between five and a half and six and a half is probably where they're going to squabble. I would love for it to stop at six. But obviously I'm not, to <laughs> they're not asking me for my opinion. Yeah. Um, but if it falls there, that I, I can live with that. And I think Brock will as well. I, I think he wants to stay. Uh, again, like this coaching staff and management staff said, we trust you. We believe in you. We know there's more to you than what has been seen before. You're the transformers for our team. There's more than meets the eye in Brock Nelson. And we firmly believe that. And that is exactly what happened this year. I would imagine he's gonna repay their faith in him by signing a deal with the Islanders. He's not gonna take like some crazy discount, but he's gonna sign with the Islanders.
1: No, like we're not saying he's gonna take four million dollars or three million dollars <laughs> yeah. a year or anything crazy like that, but I don't think it's unreasonable th- to think that he will take a slightly discounted contract in comparison to him hitting the open market what he would get
2: and i I think that that comes back to your point is the islanders see that they know that that's a possibility but they also want to avoid him going to the free market because when he does they won't be the only suitors at the table
1: i know this isn't necessarily something on our rundown but i want to pose this question to you so of nelson lee and leonard those three free agents Okay. How many, if any, hit free agency on July one? Of Nelson Lee, Leonard.
2: <sighs> I don't think any hit the open market. I agree. I'm right there with but you. But one possibly could. one possible. One could. I could see one doing like hitting the open market. But I, I, I don't expect that to happen. Like it. I'll, I'll, so let me post. Let me take your question. Flip it back to you. Um, okay. Of the three, which one is more likely to hit the open market? I'm so you have go to take Brock. one.
1: I'm probably saying Brock. See,
2: I think it's Lee.
1: Okay, I don't think they let Lee even get to the open market after what happened last year with their captain.
2: I don't think that matters to them, and I don't think it should either. Like I, I know he's like the best captain they've ever had because they've come out and said that. Um, and, and I, I think they really want him to sign and I think they want to keep him. But if the question is, you had to choose one of the three and one of the three would go to open market, which one are you picking? I'm not going to pick Leonard. There's no way they let him walk. Um, and if he does walk, it's because they didn't, they, they lowballed him completely. And I, I just don't see this management group doing that to a guy who, you know, gave them everything. And same thing with Lee. But if I had to pick one, it would be Lee. I just, I could see them saying, like, yeah, you were the captain and such, but we're not going to give you seven and a half million dollars just because James Van Riemsdyk signed seven. Was it seven, JVR's deal? It was, uh, yeah, five for seven. We're not going to give you seven and a half because of inflation. We want to give you seven. And then they, they go like, no. That could happen. That's the only possibility I see. And I, I that's like a Doctor Strange one in 14 million possibilities.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I, I think, like we said, we both kind of agreed on it. In all likelihood, I think those three are locked up somewhere in June.
2: I would say so. Like that, that I don't see why they wouldn't. Why are you going to lowball these guys for for what they've done to you? Lee was the incredible captain that you wanted. Um, Leonard was the, the, more than what you you expected you would get from him, and some. And then Brock Nelson was that perfect second line center that you've been wanting the, that you would want for any franchise. Maybe not perfect. He's a perfect third line center and a good second line center.
1: Yeah, if you if you told me that your second line center is going to give you between fifty and fifty five points, I'd say that's pretty good. It's not the best, obviously. There are better options, but yeah. I, it's it's fair value. It's it's good. Yeah, absolutely, and a good two way game, right? Doesn't get. Uh, he, I I
2: liked his chippiness at the end of the year, especially in the playoffs versus the Penguins. That was great. Love to see that during the year. Uh, but you know, no, like Brock Nelson. I think he stays it's somewhere between five and a half and six is where I feel comfortable. But you could, you being the team, put put up to six point five, and I, and I won't bat an eyelash. You go over six point five, and I start going. Yeah. Although, what do they care about me? They don't care about me. They care about winning. That's true. That's all that matters. That's true. But you know, I care
1: about winning a long term. Good point. That is a good point. So with that. How about we move along and talk about something the Islanders struggled with and maybe how they could improve on it this past year. So, the power play was <laughs> a huge issue for those New York Islanders. So, let me pose this to you. Yeah. Do we have any other options who can coach the power play?
2: Well, I don't think they have one in the in the lineup <laughs> or or somewhere in the maybe somewhere in the organization. But I, I I don't think they do because if they did, they'd put him there by now. Uh, but I, I wrote something uh, just this week about options. So people who I thought that they could get to coach uh, the power play because Scott Gomez ain't doing it. I, I don't think he actually I'm not saying he's going to get fired or needs to get fired. But if they're going to make an upheaval in terms of coaching staff, that's the guy you, you got to look at and say, Scotty,
1: like, thanks, but no, thanks. Um, yeah, of everyone on that list, like you said, it's got to be him.
2: Yeah, has, well, well, he's the one who's responsible for the power play, right? A power play that, remember, was fourteen point five percent efficient this season, like the regular season. That yeah, is dog poop. So very. Who do we got in terms of? I'm just trying to bring it up to make sure I I, I write I say the names properly, um, because I had to research them. It's, these are not like the, off the top of my head type things. Uh, one was Joe Mullen. So Joe Mullen was, uh, the first American born player to hit 500 goals and a thousand points in an NHL, not season, but over an NHL career. Um, so that's important or that's impressive. Uh, but he was with the Flyers for years, four years as their power play guy from 2007 to 2017. And he averaged in his tenure a 20.5% power play. Now, well, that's,
1: that's not like good. league breaking, but that's the league average. No, and th- we'll take that. That's almost exactly league average because I'm looking right here. Chicago was 15th at 20.2, and Buffalo was 16 at 19.5. So split the difference, and you're, you're right around 20%. Yeah,
2: and think this is a 6% increase for the Islanders. True. 6%. They'd go from 29th to 15th or 16th or whatever. That's a huge jump. How many more points is that on the season, right? They already had 103. That's definitely a lock for first place. You would think so if everything else stayed the same. Exactly. So, and of course that's assuming Joe Mullen wants it. He's already 62 years old, so who knows if he even wants to coach anymore. Uh, and, and this was back in 2017. I didn't I was able to find if he had popped up anywhere else in terms of a coach. So maybe he's just kind of like donezo. But if the Islanders are looking for one, that's one that I go calling, you know, barking up his tree saying, hey, buddy, you want to you wanna come coach with Barry Trotz? Do you? Maybe. Give you some monies. Give you some monies, for sure. Uh, the next one is Bob Bugner. So, the former head coach for the Florida Panthers. Okay. Uh, I, I brought him up for two reasons. First, he doesn't have a job, so maybe he'd like one. So, three reasons, I guess. Uh the second one is he's done some interesting things with the Florida Panthers power play. Uh, namely he put five forwards out on the ice. Okay. So interesting. Uh, obviously the Islanders don't have the same five forwards that the Florida Panthers do in Barkov, Trochek, Uberdo, uh who am I missing here? I'm missing another I'm missing two more. Hoffman, obviously. Hoffman. Uh who's the other one? Why am I missing someone else? Dad and all, I'm gonna say. Yeah, probably it's probably not him, but like let's just say it's him. Um, we don't have that but the idea that I'm trying to bring up here is this is a guy who's willing to try something try something different and try something out of the box the Islanders were not that this season right like how many times they do that super stupid super dumb pass where like Nick Leidy skates up to the blue line and then like drops it to Matthew Barzal who's still behind the net everyone can see what's coming everyone knows what's about to happen and all eight players will line up at the dumb blue line and then Matt Barzal has nowhere to go and then Zone entry broken. Yeah. Uh, Way too many times to count. Yeah. Third point was, if this guy's trying to get back on the coaching horse, who better than to to be mentored than Barry Trotz?
1: That's also a valid point.
2: Right? Like, this is a guy who's maybe in his last coaching gig. Maybe not. Maybe he's got another one in him. But, like, Barry Trotz is not young. And he's been around the block. He's got, what, 19 NHL seasons before this? So, 20 NHL seasons? Yeah. He knows a thing or two. If you're a new coach trying to come in and trying to break out uh, and you've already got coaching experience under the belt, maybe you can learn from someone who's just won a Stanley Cup last year, uh, who's changed an entire team around defensively. There's something to learn here. So if you could be mentored by Barry Trotz, that definitely gets you back up on the horse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Look look at Lane Lambert, right? Yeah, I mean, he's getting interviewed for the Ducks position and that's because he's been Trotz's right-hand man since 2012. There you go, right? It's not said that Bugner needs to sit out here for the rest of his life, but,
2: you know, if you make a cameo appearance with the Islanders and Barry Trotz is there, you're going to learn some stuff. And then you start applying that and put that on your pack of lies. Like, that's amazing. That's good stuff.
1: Right. And it's a different sport, but I made the connection in the article I wrote about Lambert. It's kind of like the bill belichick coaching tree for football anyone who's ever been an assistant coach with bill belichick they usually get a job in the nfl because they're like okay let's soak up this guy's information that he's learned from one of the best coaches to ever do it barry trotz is one of the best coaches in the league right now so it's only fair to assume that his assistants are going to start getting cherry picked away yeah
2: except that when they do that with
1: bill belichick they
2: always suck don't they in most cases, yes. <laughs> but, you know, who cares? Whatever. Uh, yes. if, if they're good where you are with the, the Patriots, then I don't care. Like, if we're the yeah. Patriots, an example, this is amazing because the Patriots have six Super Bowls. So.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll sign up for that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Please and thanks. Uh, and my last one is, uh, is Troy Mann. So he's the head coach of the Belleville Senators. They're the Ottawa okay. Senators the AHL affiliate. Uh, the caveat here is that he's currently interviewing for the Ottawa Senators head coach job which fits the Ottawa centers always go cheap. um, Yeah. And they'll definitely look at their own AHL guy. If they're going to be bringing up all their kids, but if he doesn't get the job, like Luke Richardson was in the same position a couple of years ago before when he joined the Islanders, he was the head coach of the Binghamton centers at the time. And Mm -hmm. he was up for the Ottawa job and they gave it to Brian Boucher, Brian Boucher. No. Who's
1: who are you thinking of?
2: The current Ottawa coach. I thought his name was Brian Boucher. Not the current, but the last one. I know the current one was Mike Crawford on an interim basis, but the guy before him. Why can't I think of his dumb name? The James Bond villain looking guy.
1: I don't know why you decided to put me on the spot. I'm not good on the spot. You were typing. That's why. Guy. Guy Guy Boucher. Boucher. Yes. Guy
2: Boucher. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why I said Bob. Jesus. That was way off. Um, But when Guy Boucher got the job, Luke Richardson says, like, I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else. He became the Islanders' assistant. See the connection I'm making here? Okay, now it's all starting to make sense. So if he could do the same, Troy Mann is being touted as, like, the next wave of guys who should be NHL coaches. Uh, So why not bring him in? He's pretty good. He's got a 17.76% efficiency on the power play, um, coaching the Hershey Bears and coaching the Sens. So you're going to the Sens B-side. That's not terrible. It's better than what the Islanders are getting. Of course, it's AHL level. You give him some skill, and maybe he does something with it. And if this is your next protege, again, why don't you bring in the next wave of talent to be coached or coached in by Barry Trotz? It, it, worst case scenario, when Barry leaves, you got a guy there that's ready for the NHL. Best case scenario... Sorry, that's best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you got a guy who's hungry and looking to do things and move up the ladder, and you know maybe your power play... Uh, suffers positively for it. Suffers positively? That's not the word. Does well because of it. There because
1: you go. of it, yeah. I'd love to suffer positively or whatever you said. <laughs> that was so dumb. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, I like those options. I think they are all better options than Scott Gomez. And I don't know. I think they definitely need to look into making a change because this is a team that was pretty close to being in the mix for a Stanley Cup. And if they want to put themselves over the top and, I don't know, have a competent power play, a coaching change seems like it's going to have to happen.
2: Yeah. So, like, it, it, it has to. Like, at a certain point, Scott Gomez has been there two years. He's one one of, if not the only guy left over from the Doug Waite regime, you know, when Doug Waite went on his hiring spree. Uh, and so, for some reason, he's still there. I don't know why. Their power play was okay last year, right? But, like, has not been good this year. No,
1: this past year, not so much. So, yeah, there's that. Okay, so as Mitch was talking about the power play and different coaching um, options for the power play, it made me think about the Islanders' depth in the AHL. Don't ask me how, but it did. And on the blue line, the Islanders have a... Ton to work with with their prospect pool, Mitch, including Noah Dobson. Heard of had him? himself a nice little stint in the QMJHL. Yeah. What do you want to talk about exactly? So for him, uh, he won the MVP of the playoffs. That's pretty cool. And then he won, the, what is it, the Memorial Cup? No, he won the President's Cup, the
2: QMJHL trophy. Okay, I get all those mixed up there's too many cups to talk about so the 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 chl is split up amongst the whl the western hockey league the ontario hockey league and the quebec junior major hockey league uh that's the three components of the chl and so they each go for their own individual trophies i forget what the other two are um god i used to know what the whl one was because matt matt barzell won it um but the the qmjhl one is called the president's cup or la coupe du president and um so the winners of each of those three divisions go on to the Memorial Cup and face off all three plus the host team. So this year's in Halifax. So it'll be Halifax, uh, Rwanda Aranda which is Dobson's team, uh, the Guelph Hurricanes or Spit- the Gu- Guelph Spitfires, I think, something like that. I don't know. So it's,
1: uh, Windsor Spitfires.
2: Right. Windsor. It's the Guelph Storm. There it is. And then the uh, whoever won out of the WHL, I have no idea.
0: Okay.
1: You learned me. That was good. <laughs> I hashtag learned you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, for I mean, starters. Dobson's the best of the bunch. No, he has to be the number one defensive prospect at this point. Oh
2: God, yeah, easily. Like, not. It's not even close. What Dobson? Sure, I'm sorry, not Dobson. Wild makes a good attempt, but no, come on. We picked him 12 overall for a reason.
1: That's very true. And now that Devontaes has made his NHL debut, it kind of leaves. Dobson as that next guy who should be in the mix. There are some others, like you said. Bodie Wild has to be in the mix. Sebastian Ajo is around. He played in the NHL in 2017-2018. Yep. Uh, they let go of Yannick Rathkeb, <laughs> who yeah, whatever. I don't think was going to do anything. The
2: nine points in 32 games or something stupid like that?
1: I think that's exactly what it was, yeah. nine points in
2: 32. Yeah, so, That's fine.
1: Uh, but the point is that they have a ton of options in the prospect pool at Blue Line. So yep. what does that mean for the Islanders in, I guess, both the short term and the long term? They can move some pieces.
2: They could definitely move, think? right? Like, Nick Letty, see you later.
1: Yeah, I think that it makes probable, and we're going to get into tradable, tradable assets in a little bit, but Nick Letty's name comes to mind because... He struggled the last couple of years and he still has a, a decent sized cap number. If you have someone who's a younger version of him on the cheap, Devontae's, why not give him that ice time and then add in one of your other young pieces to that mix?
2: Well, that's just it, right? They're going to they're gonna have to make some room, maybe not have to make some room, but they can afford to make some room on the blue line right now. They got their four guys, their four core defenders that they've been bring, bringing up, or been bringing up. They brought up uh, in Pulak, Pelic, Mayfield, and Tapes. They've got two righties and two lefties there. Perfect mix. Two offensive-minded defensemen, two not-so-offensive-minded defensemen. Perfect. That's the perfect, ideal balance for any hockey team. Um And then you still have Nick Letty on the roster, and you still have Johnny Boychuk. You can't move Johnny Boychuk until maybe next year, uh, but Nick Letty, you can move. He's got no trade protection whatsoever. He's got an okay deal for the type of player he's supposed to be. Um, And if you let him go, then you can bring someone up like a Noah Dobson, who had, like, he he was... He got significant attention last year,
1: remember? Like, in training camp, he stayed till just about the very end. Yeah, he did. There were... Slight murmurs. I didn't, I didn't think he would make the team, but the fact that he was sticking around that long kind of showed me something.
2: Yeah, and like he'll have a full of the year under his belt where he again dominated the QMJHL in the second half of the season. Uh, he dominated the playoffs. What is it, 29 points in... Uh, I, think a five,
1: I forget. 21 games, I
2: think. Something like that. Yeah, 29 points in 21 games. He was, again, like you said, the MVP. Third-ranked. Uh, score in terms of no, I'm thinking of booty Wild. Um, he'll have a full year under his belt. Like why? Like I just don't see why they they couldn't do it as long as he plays a good training camp. That is,
1: yeah, because like he's 19, he can go to the AHL next year. I don't see why not. Like worst case scenario, you just have him play in the AHL when he gets when he's ready. He's ready. Yeah. And and then he's right there. So
2: even if he's not ready yet, uh, if an injury happens, you can call him up right away.
1: That's kind of the same logic I think they'll use with Oliver Wallstrom, who, again, is probably in a similar position. But I think Dobson has probably the edge of the two with the likelihood of making a roster. Yeah, just because there's so few positions defensively, right? Especially right-handed.
2: And we all know how injury-prone Johnny Boychuk is. Yeah, so it wouldn't hurt to have Dobson close by. Exactly. So when when Boychuk goes down, Dobson can can step in, and be that like third right-handed defenseman. That's perfectly fine for a guy who's trying to learn the NHL game, and he'll probably make a quick study of it. I, you would think so, right? At nineteen, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely think so.
1: so. So, go ahead. No, I was gonna say. So then, I guess I'm getting too far ahead. No, it's fine. It's podcast. No one's listening. <laughs> so, who, who out of the remaining defensemen would you like to see him paired with? Out of, so of,
2: oh, God. It's, I would love to see him paired with someone offensively, o- offensive, someone who's moving the puck forward because the thing with Dobson is that he's not a fast skater. He's a fine skater. Uh, he's, he's a two-way guy. He can do both things and both things extremely well. Uh, if you compare him with Devin Taves, oh, that is a tasty. That's a tasty one too, right there. Okay, right. Devin more Taves like takes the puck up the gut. Dobson controls the back end. He can control the blue line. He's not a stay-at-home guy. He can take the puck up himself. Uh, but he's he's smart with the puck. He's more. that's not to say that Devin Taves isn't. Uh, he's more of a of a positional player. Uh, and he's fantastic at it. And he could do it both ways. He could do it in his own end. He could do it up front. So if you can take it, give it to a guy who's going to skate it all the way in, and you could play the blue line, oh, just fantastic. You, you, you've essentially given yourself a fourth forward because you have a guy who's covering the back end so well.
1: That's a good point. And I I think that a pairing would be a lot of fun. And that looks like a top pair of the future that I would love to be involved with. Yeah. Think of your 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 two pairings as... Pellick, Pulak, and assuming we're getting the
2: Pelic of, of like the later half of this year, and then Taze Dobson, oh, tasty, tasty. And if we're getting that, just let's say we're getting that next year. Adam Adam Pellick's on a one point six million dollar deal for now until you know the, the death of the sun. Um, Ryan Pulak is making two million, so that's three point six million. Devin Taze is making seven hundred thousand, <laughs> seven hundred thousand. So at 3.6, so that's four, that's 3.3, 000, 3.3 million. Sorry, 4.3 million. And then we have uh, whatever Wallstrom's making, or Wallstrom, Dobson is making. It's less than a million. I think it's 9.25. Yeah, it, yeah it's
1: 925,000. So
2: it's less than $5.5 million for your top four defensemen. <laughs> You're less than, than a Nick Letty.
1: For all four. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When you put it that way, Interesting. I didn't think of it like that. Who who would you pair with Dobson?
2: Like obviously I said Taze and you, you kind of agreed with it, but is there someone else that you think he could pair with? Um And I guess maybe like, I went with the ideal pair. Like who do you think if he comes into the league next year, who could he be paired with? Maybe Pellic. Maybe. Okay, then who goes with Pulak? Taze. Oh, Wow.
1: Me like you, that is. Heavy attack. That's
2: heavy metal. That's some heavy metal hockey right there.
1: Yeah, uh, this is under the assumption that Letty's gone, right? Sure, yeah. Because otherwise Cause I'd pair
2: I, him with Letty, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I would think so. But I think you'd have to trade Letty in order to get him on the NHL roster. Yeah, that's fair. True. I don't know. I don't think like Hickey or Mayfield really makes a whole lot of sense. Well, Mayfield doesn't just because that's two righties. And, H- yeah, and Hickey and- doesn't either, right? No, I just don't see that working as a fit. So it's gotta be either Taze or uh Pellick. I think I'd probably prefer Taze, but I could see Pelic being the pair too. Yeah,
2: that makes sense.
1: Okay. Any other of the blue line depth that you want to hit on?
2: I'm really loving what Sebastian Sebastian Aho is giving, but I think he's just a trade a trade chip at this point.
1: Okay. I would tend I would tend to agree with you there. Uh, just because they have so many options really Well, that's just it it, right I mean he looked okay in the NHL when he had that little stint a couple of years ago but they have better I mean Devontae's is better you probably are gonna want to keep uh Adam Pellick around if he's the same player that he was in the second half I I just don't see where Aho's fitting no, exactly.
2: I I 100% agree with you. It just it does it doesn't fit. And so if you got a guy who's who's good, just not good enough to make your team, well he'll probably be good enough to make another team and you can probably sell a
1: team on that. So with that do you want to start getting into the trade assets then? Yeah. Cuz it seems like that's where the conversation's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I think some we mentioned two people already. Both defensemen Nick Letty and Sebastian Aho. Why do you think that they are people that could be moved
2: well for the exact reason we said like not five seconds ago that just they they have so many good players that you don't need those still those, those other players anymore
1: pretty much so the overabundance of the defense position i guess yeah
2: you already have again like the, the four guys Pelic, Pulak, mayfield and and tate who are again make, making less than on nick letty right 1.6 for Pelic. 2 million for Pulak, 1.45 for Mayfield and 700,000 for Taves. It's less than than, than, than Alletti. Sure enough, none of them have rings though.
1: No, none of them have rings, um but I don't know, talent speaks volumes to me. Mm, 100%. Yeah, I completely agree with you there.
2: So you you have you have to be able to move Letty. You, you have to if you can look at a, at Edmonton Oilers and say like, you want a puck moving defenseman who's got a ring on his finger. Guess what? We got one available. But mm-hmm. we want your former first overall pick from like a billion years ago, who's you're now paying like six million dollars. We want that guy.
1: Yeah. So while both guys are expendable in Letty and Aho, it's kind of for different reasons or in different packages. So Aho is a prospect that you would feel comfortable including in a deal. Probably not as the main piece, but as an additional piece oh, yeah. in the deal. While Nick Letty is probably a main piece of a trade, right? Because oh, yeah. like you mentioned in that scenario, Letty for Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that's pretty much a straight up trade. Maybe you have to add some sort of draft compensation. Not something on the high end, but in the later rounds.
2: Maybe, but I, I, hmm, I don't know. I don't think Ken Holland would, would do that. I think it'd be a one-for-one, one. but you know who knows? Probably. Who knows? Like, yeah. Would you be okay with Letty in a third for Hopkins? Probably. Because, uh, yeah, I, the only reason I said that is because anything less or, or more, I should say, so a second or a first, and I'm saying no thanks.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I When I said, like, maybe like a four, I don't know. You could probably get away with doing it straight up, but yeah. if there was a later round pick in there, I wouldn't bat an eyelash over it. Where Aho, you are probably giving up a higher pick, as in a first or second rounder, and Aho in order to try and get a piece in here.
2: Yeah, and, and even then, it's probably not going to be a huge piece.
1: Yeah, not something life-altering.
2: No, exactly. Which is what we want right now. That's what we're looking for, is life-altering pieces. We have enough middling to bottom-tier pieces. We need life-altering pieces.
1: Okay, how about some other names that you think could potentially be an asset.
2: Well, Anthony Beauvillier is the first one that comes to mind.
1: Okay, so for Anthony Beauvillier, he is a former first-round pick, but he's heading into his fourth year in the NHL. He's been inconsistent in his first three years, really just had half of a good season (laughs) in those three years. Uh, so we don't really know what Nick on Le- uh, We talked about him so much. I had saying him again. Anthony Beauvillier is. We don't really know what he is yet. Is he a thirty-point player? Is he a fifty-point player like we saw in the second half of twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen? I think that's what makes his value stronger. I guess
2: it makes his value stronger. But his his the reason he's tradable is the same reason that Nicoletti is tradable is that we get guys that we can put in his spot that can do what he's doing, that are first off going to cost us less. Like you can put a Michael Dalcole there. Um and, and could, you know, over a full season, is he gonna give you twenty eight points or sorry, twenty six? Yeah, probably. Can yeah, he probably. give you more than that? Who knows? Let's try and figure it out. Um You like the physicality he's giving you, you like the defensive side of things. Excuse me, I'm trying to burp and talk at the <laughs> same time. It's ridiculous. Um But you have to move Bo. You have to. Like, you just have to move him. You, it's been three seasons, like you said, uh, two of which were ridiculous disappointments for at, at two different stages. Like the the, the, the beginning of, of Bo's season two years ago was ridiculous. Like he had to be sent down, and he deserved to be sent down, and right. he changed it changed him around. But this year, nothing seemed to work. He went through the same thing and nothing seemed to work. We didn't send him down this year, although we probably should have. Uh, nothing seemed to work to get him out of his funk and get him to a point where we want him to be or where he can be. And I don't think the Islanders are willing to do that for what would be a fourth year now to be like, we need to break you out of your funk every year. This is kind of stupid, buddy. You should be able to be motivated to play for this team.
1: Right. And I know it's a little bit Unfair because he is still young. He's only 21 years old. So that is extremely young for a hockey player. But like you mentioned, he's going into his fourth year already. By this point, you got to be able to know what you're getting out of a player. You can't go into next year banking on Anthony Beauvillier being a top six forward. You just can't.
2: No, you you can't. But it's fine not knowing what he is. Like, that's what bridge deals are for, right? I guess, yeah. Uh, And he's going to get a low one, no more than $2 million, I would say. Um, and, and if it performs then, you're going, all right, great. But ideally, you'd like your players to start performing well right from the start. You know, Usually within the first couple of years, you know what you got. But we don't know what we have with Bo, like you said. right? There's that 60-point pace he was on at the end of last year. Where the hell is that player? I don't know. Maybe that was the fluke. N- maybe, yeah. Maybe that's just it. Maybe it's just a Doug White, do what you want in, in the offensive zone. And it worked, except he was, you know, garbage in the defensive zone like everybody else. <laughs> maybe he needs to go wherever Doug Wade shows up. <laughs> maybe, right? Maybe that works. But that's why he's tradable. That's why he's on the on my trade block, anyways. Because it's a guy like you mentioned who's got value because he's young. There's the potential, um, who's shown potential even, and you can get something for him again. Maybe not a main piece,
1: but a secondary piece at least. Agree. Um, I got... I'll I'll give you a pair at the same time, and I'll explain why. Uh, It's because they were both taken in the first round of the same drafts, and that is the 2014 draft, Michael Dalcol and Josh Hosang. Of the two, I am much higher on Josh Hosang. I still like his game, but I just don't think the Islanders... I just don't think it's going to work here with the Islanders, so I could see him being moved.
2: No, well, that's just it, right? Like we talked about not knowing what Anthony Bavillier is. Do we know what Michael Cole or Joshua Sang is? Not really, no. So, like, we know what we expect from them. But by we, I mean you and I. But we don't seem to know what the New York Islanders expect
1: from these two. No. And and that's the thing because it's changed so much over the last couple of years from what it was with Doug Waite and Garth Snow to now Lou Lamerillo and Barry Trotz. And we thought... At least Josh Hosang was doing that because he did look better in the defensive zone, but he just wasn't producing the same offensively. He only got a ten game stint though, and he wasn't all that
2: great. But to be fair, like you look at the rest of the players on this team, how many of them excelled in terms of production?
1: Casey Zizekas and Brock Nelson? Yeah, everyone else kind of took a step back.
2: Right? Except for maybe some blue liners like Scott Mayfield and, and Adam Pelik, who, you know, to be fair, didn't put up a lot of points to begin with. You know, if you're going from no. five to twelve yeah, okay, whatever. That's not a big jump. But, you know, whatever. Like, I, I just, whatever. Um, I, I don't get the idea that, oh, well, he wasn't producing well. No one on the team was producing well. Matthew Barzell dropped how many points between from here to last year? No one's saying he's a bad player, nor am I. I'm just saying if you're going to apply that standard to Joshua Sang, you need to apply it to everyone. Which is unfortunate to Joshua Sang because that same double standard has been dogging him his entire career. Because he said some rash things and you know had high hubris when he was that eighteen year old. Who was not high on themselves when they
1: were eighteen? Me. I definitely had some self confident <laughs> issues at eighteen.
2: <laughs> I was masking my self confidence issues with hubris. I was overconfident to mask my lack of confidence. It was a big front. Gotcha.
1: Big spin zone. I
2: love big, it. Big spin zone. Um so if but at the end of the day, tradable. And has to be on the trade block because the Islanders don't seem to want what he's offering. They just don't. No. Both he and Dal, well, maybe not Dal Cole as much, but I think with Dal Cole is that if you're going to keep Bo, then you can get rid of uh, Dal Cole. Yeah, probably, right? He's had one good AHL year. Why do you care that much? Well, he's good defensively. You can get a billion players to do that for you. If you can cash in on a top five pick, do it. Look what you got for Griffin Reinhardt because he was a top five pick.
1: Yeah, the only thing now is he's a lot further removed than Griffin Reinhardt was. That's true. At this point.
2: Yeah, but he's played in the NHL and he had a good year in the AHL.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think this year restored some value. I don't think it's all the way up to what it once was, but he saved it a little bit. Yes, absolutely. But you no, know, you're right. It's not what it
2: once was. But both are tradable. Again... Uh, not maybe not again, but these guys are definitely tertiary assets in terms of a trade. Like you can't get someone for them one for one, like you would, or even two picks in the draft, like you would with a Griffin Reinhardt. But if you include them with two other things, you, you're going to get something good back.
0: Okay.
1: Do you see anybody else as a movable piece?
2: I would like to see other people as movable pieces, like Cal Clutterbuck. That would be great. Um, Andrew Ladd. Oh my God, sign me up today. Um, but unfortunately, Uncle Leo. Leo, yeah, like, yeah, but again, like, first off, Lad, no trade clause. Leo, no move clause. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck, sure, but he's got like a million years, of three point five million dollars, and 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 he's got like a back that's more broken than anything else I've seen in my life. So like, he's not
1: going anywhere. Yeah. So I think that's pretty much it for pieces that could realistically be traded to get something of value.
2: Um, I, I had their first overall pick.
1: The first rounder? Yeah. yeah sorry,
2: their first overall. Yes, yeah, sorry. Their first rounder. That That's something that we've talked about before, but it's just kind of like, that's extra at this point. Unless they're, they're willing to draft a center and really want to draft a center, move it.
1: Yeah, and even so, let's say they do draft a center, that player's still at Pick twenty three, probably two to three years away, yeah. at minimum. You're
2: right. So move it, but just you don't see a lot of first round picks moving this late in the season for that for no. this year's draft. Um, for for players, it's just like even Grubauer went went for a second, right? So like that. Now, of course, that was last year. It's not saying it's not possible. I'm sure there anyone could if you if you look at draft history or not draft, but trade histories enough you'll find examples it's just they're not a lot first round picks usually go at the trade deadline or during the season and that's not the case right now no not not when the order when when you know what you're picking
1: yeah feels that way yeah, so all right want to move on to the social segment yes okay what do you have for us for social this week? Um, first, it's
2: uh, May 15th. And some, okay. um, I can't do the math, like 46 years ago? So May 15th, oh, 1973, 1973 the New York Islanders drafted Danny Potvang.
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was a jerk move. I knew. That was a jerk I move. J- I just
1: did it because it would get him upset because he's from his the same town. Yeah.
2: I know you know who he is. It just, it, it burned my chops that you went and did that joke. But yeah, they drafted Denny Potvin, who, uh, from what I remember was a pretty good hockey player.
1: Yes. Uh, I would say pretty solid pick from the Islanders.
2: Pretty <laughs> is solid. Montreal worked them hard on that draft. Like they wanted Denny Potvin bad. I think I forget who the GM was for the Montreal Canadiens at, at that time, but they came, it came over to, uh, to Bowtie Bill and they are like, they gave him like four or five different trade packages, and he said no, every single time, for good reason. This was yeah. the best defenseman to ever play when he when he was playing. Like, uh, yeah, it, it took Paul Coffey to kind of like you know Paul Coffey playing with Wayne Gretzky, mind you, um, to like knock him off of his perch.
1: I mean, yeah, pretty much. But if you look before Coffey came around, it was. uh Dennis Poffin.
2: Right. It was like what? Bobby Orr, Danny Potfei, and then Paul Coffey after that. And then, then Nick Lindstrom, I would say. That's, yeah, probably. And then now it's what? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe Carlson? Probably not. No, but yeah. Just just dominant. Absolutely dominant player. I, I have to bring up his stats. And I, I I wish I knew them off the top of my head, but I don't.
1: My mouse is... Four-time Stanley Cup champion. You can start there. <laughs>
2: Four-time Stanley Cup champ. Uh, I think he's got two or three uh, Norris trophies. Let me bring up his hockey reference page because that'll give me everything. Four-time Cup winner, three-time Norris Trophy, one thousand fifty-two points, three hundred and ten goals, and seven hundred forty-two assists. Wow! Absolutely amazing, and he won the Calder Trophy in seventy-four.
1: Ridic. That's have a
2: career forty-four game-winning goals.
1: 44, 44.
2: Insane. Insane. So, and he's got six hat tricks. <laughs> Think of wow. that. Fencing with hat tricks. Uh, his last one came on uh, March 4th, 1982 against the Toronto Maple Leafs when the Islanders beat them 10 to 1. Oh. <laughs> Imagine that with today's context. Imagine that with today's context. Oh. That's a murder. God, Toronto, wow. you suck. <laughs>
1: So I have one. It, it's kind of Islanders related, but kind of not. You'll explain why. Well, I'll okay, explain good. why. Because I was like,
2: how am I going to do that?
1: My brain stopped working. <laughs> That's
2: fine. You have to wake up in like two hours.
1: Yeah, I got to be up soon. Um, So if you're a sports fan, you'll know that the last 48 hours has been pretty crazy here in New York. So just to recap, the Knicks, who tanked last year, trying to get the first overall pick to get Zion Williamson, Got the three pick in the NBA lottery. Then, today, the Jets decided to fire the general manager just three weeks after the NFL draft. What is up with that? I don't know why you would let this guy... Draft and spend a hundred million dollars in cap space in an offseason, then fire him just weeks after that. Like, did he come don't, into the office like Mister Bean in, in his movie, and just like
2: just like throwing the bird around, just like throwing double deuces? Is that what he was doing? I don't understand why you would fire a guy now, and I don't follow football. I,
1: I don't know. Apparently, there's a rift between him and the new head coach, Adam Gase. Who he didn't he hire enough, him? Michael Cagney <laughs> was involved in hiring Adam Gase. <laughs> Just four months ago. So how this all loops to the Islanders is somehow in this bizarro world we live in, in New York sports, the Islanders are one of the best run organizations in New York sports. They are better than the Giants. They are better than the Knicks. They're better than the Jets. They're better than the Mets. It is the Yankees and the Islanders who are holding things down for New York sports. What a world, Mitch! What a world,
2: the Islanders. That, that's fine. I'm all for it, obviously. Um, suck at football, you stupid sport, um, <laughs> and baseball. You know, that's fine. I like baseball, but um, yeah, I I don't get. So the Knicks tanked. And they get the third, and if I understand correctly from the NBA draft, I don't I don't follow the NBA that well, but I listen to PTI, so I'm getting my fill. Um, the way it's working, not working, but the way the prospects are lined up is you got Zion, and you have. I don't know who the second one is, but he he's just as good as All I right. am. Sure, uh, maybe not just as good, but he's like he's he's pretty good. He would be a number one in any other year, and then the draft is wide open at number three. So it's like the Knicks don't even get a good prospect. They, 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 I'm sure they get a fine player, but they don't get like a generational talent. They're just no, at the it, cusp.
1: Yeah, that's just the thing is that it's been waiting for that generational piece for such a long time and then you think you're doing it right you tank you have a 14% chance of getting that first overall pick and you somehow end up dropping to 3 and the pelicans get them.
2: WTF the pelicans what where were they ranked they i know obviously they weren't very they had, good they had
1: a 6% chance
2: Oh that's a slap in the face
1: It is yeah and then like the jets they're just like well we think that yeah, everyone's saying that the Giants and the new Cleveland Browns in the NFL, well, hold our beer because we're about to make it just as bad. How did the Jets make it just as bad? By firing their general manager three weeks after the draft.
2: That was the Jets or the Giants?
1: The Jets fired their general manager. No.
2: I thought it was the Giants.
1: No, we were talking about the Jets, dude. Sorry, I
2: thought the Giants fired Mac again. I, I, again, I don't follow football. <laughs> no, no. No, oh, no, that's your team. Yeah. Mitch, where have you been? Were I I thought it was the Giants. For some reason, the Giants is what's stuck in my head.
1: No, the Giants traded away Odell Beckham Jr. and then drafted Daniel Jones sixth overall, which is very stupid. But then the Jets had their general manager spend $100 million in cap space, uh, have another draft, which he's notoriously bad at, and then also be involved in hiring Adam Gase, who – allegedly there was a rift because Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell and the Jets signed Le'Veon Bell to big money. And now Adam Gase is the interim general manager and the head coach. So like that, that's
2: why I thought it was the, the Giants. I, I, again, dyslexia playing, I, I read GM New York and it was a football team and I was like, well, blank, fill in the team. And I thought it was the Giants because, again, they, like you said, they traded Odell and they drafted a guy who they weren't supposed to draft. Again, this is all based off of narrative that other people are laying upon me. So I was like, well that those are bad decisions. So like clearly the guy who's making bad decisions got fired. Still stupid because again the draft just happened. Uh but no, it's the other guy. Go- oh wow. Jesus. I feel sorry for yeah. you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a Mike McGagnon guy, but I just don't understand why you didn't fire him when you fired your head coach after this. But
2: you guys year. were and riding like- high though. Like as Jets fans, like things were going well
1: or you felt like things were going relatively well. At least better, right? Yeah, they're better. You supposedly have your franchise quarterback. You got it. had a Big offseason brought in some big names, got someone really good in the draft, and then now it's all right, we're gonna (laughs) create a dumpster fire again.
2: (laughs) Nice, good old New York Islanders just keeping plotting things with stability. Wow, when is that? That, Isn't that
1: weird? That's why I know it was kind of roundabout to get this back to the Islanders, but it's weird that they are in the conversation for stability in New York sports.
2: Yeah, it's quite insane that they have a stable franchise. It's great. I'm freaking loving it. But like, it is like Bizarro Land because that has not been the case for what, 20, 30 years? Probably closer to 30. Yeah. yeah. So, like right, 30 would have been 1989. Yeah. So, a lot closer to 30 than 20. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm turning 35 next week, man. 35. Oh, no. It'll be
1: 30. I'm close to 40. oh,
2: I have my midlife crisis. You soon. gotta
1: see if you were to sign an NHL contract, you gotta get the, the plus like, thirty five, no move for thirty five. <laughs> oh no! Oh, poor Mitch. Hey, me. Uh, do you have anything else for the social? No. Oh,
2: I guess that means that we'll be recording the podcast on my birthday next week. Perfect. Hey, there
1: you, there go. you go. That'll be fun. Number ninety-two on the twenty-two. Perfect. Love it. All right, so before we get out of here, I just got to do a couple plugs. Yes. So wherever you are listening to this show, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps us out, and we appreciate all the love and support from you guys. If you like this show, then maybe you might like what we're doing on Patreon. We definitely. So love during it. during the season, we do post game shows. You can get them for five bucks a month. But since there are no post game shows over the summer, what we're doing is different kinds of breakdowns. We talked about the Carolina series in depth. We talked about a bunch of other the stuff so far. The trade deadline. The trade deadline was another one, and we're going to get into even more stuff and breakdowns as the summer rolls on. You'll probably be getting close to three or four additional podcasts a week from that. From that mistake. minimum three. Yeah, minimum three. If something else happens, obviously it'll go in, uh, and the mailbag too. Yes. You'll be um, so make sure to subscribe if you haven't already patreon.com slash eyes on you can follow along with us on social media at eyes on isles fs on twitter my twitter is at matt o'leary NY. mitch's is at tlo mitch you could like us on facebook facebook.com slash eyes on isles make sure to visit the website eyes or you could download our app the eyes on isles app for all your new york islanders needs There you have it, Mitch. Episode number 91 in the books. The Butch Goring and only Butch Goring edition. No snakes allowed edition. No snakes allowed. I'll talk to you on your birthday next week. Yay. 35.